You ever marvel at how communication gets messed up? You meet, you say once, say, you ever done that exercise in a circle where you whisper in somebody's ear and they go all the way around and it comes back to you? It's nothing like what you started out with. Well, here's a good example of one that happened in a school district back in Kentucky. The superintendent to the principal tomorrow, directly speaking to the principal, tomorrow at 2 p.m. we will gather in the Homer T. Reynolds Stadium to view Halley's Comet in the eastern sky, an astronomical phenomenon that occurs only once every 76 years. Seems pretty clear. The principal took that message to the assistant principal. Sometime tomorrow after 2 p.m., our principal will dismiss the students to the stadium to watch the phenomenal Halley's Comet with astronomer Homer T. Reynolds in the eastern sky, something that happens once every 76 years. The assistant principal then spoke to the teachers. Tomorrow before 2 p.m. in the eastern sky, our phenomenal principal will appear with Homer T. Reynolds as they watch 76 astronomical students invite Halley's Comet into their stadium. And then the teachers giving this message to the students. Tomorrow at 2 p.m. in the morning, 2 a.m. in the morning, Our phenomenal students will appear with our astronomical principal, Mr. Reynolds T. Homer, as they invite the musical guest Bill Haley and the Comets into our stadium, an event that happens 76 times every year. (laughs) So you're not the only one that garbles up communication for sure. I want um, Anthony, if you would please, sir, to hand one of these out to everyone. It's a prophecy chart, at least one to the family. Uh, there's a couple of couples here. And um, <clears throat> as you receive it, you open it up inside and you will see a breakdown of a timeline that... Uh, The Bible talks about according to our future. So starting at the far left, this is the book of Revelation. And I'm just going to run through this very quickly and then we're going to go go into our our, uh, message. Uh, Starting at the far left, chapter 1 of the book of Revelation is simply the introduction Chapters 2 and 3 represent the church age, which we are in now. Uh, Letters to the churches. Then you have in between the church age and the beginning of the tribulation, the rapture. Jesus comes for the church. That's tucked in there on the side. And then the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and their corresponding uh, chapters in Scripture. Then you have the uh, counterfeit trinity, the seven bowls, the end of the false religion, the collapse of the world market, the second coming of Jesus, the thousand-year reign, the great white throne judgment, and the new heavens and the new earth. It's an amazing chart for you, and it's one that I hope you'll take with you when you come uh, to hear these messages uh, as we go through them. Now, also, in your bulletin is a half sheet 
that looks like this. Please take it out. I took the time to uh, bring some books with me. These are four books that give you an excellent um, overview of what we're talking about. This one is Escape the Coming Night by Dr. David Jeremiah. Very plain English, very easy to understand. The next one is the Revelation record goes verse by verse through the book of Revelation as a commentary by Dr. Henry Morris. And then you have a very uh, clear book that answers every question that you might have about heaven. It's simply titled Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Uh, Excellent book. I've read all of these. And the last one is a big, thick textbook that I had to read when I was going through Bible college called Things to Come by J. Dwight Pentecost. All of these give you an excellent, again, overview of these series, these messages that we will be uh, dipping our feet and our legs, our bodies into as we go through this series. And so please um, know that what I will be speaking here is just water skiing over the top. There's so much information. It is impossible for me to cover everything that the, the scriptures talk about and give adequate commentary. I will do my best. But uh, let me tell you, it is a daunting task, but one that I'm well uh, versed on and one that I'm ready to go with. Uh, I have put numerous advertising out in this community through Dixon Tribune, through Dixon 411 and Facebook. And um, unfortunately, haven't got uh, any comers. So, but uh, that's their loss because I know that the uh, the idea of what's going to happen in the future is even prominent among the unbelievers out there. So let me once more please ask you to be a committee of one and go to your neighbors, your unsaved loved ones, uh, your family, friends, and invite them to hear what the Bible says about the end times. It's accurate, it's true, and uh, I will make it as clear as humanly possible. Let's pray, and then... Uh, I would uh, ask you, uh, after I pray, to take a look at this video. Before you do that, I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 42. Jesus is speaking on the Mount of Olives. It's called the Olivet Discourse. I know, media team, I'm I'm out of whack here, and I didn't give you the, the prompting beforehand, but sorry about that, but anyway... Verse 36, no one knows about that day or hour being the return of God. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Nobody knows when Jesus will be taking his church out of uh, out of this earth. As it was in the days of Noah, 
so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now listen to this. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Father, thank you as we go into this very, very important series. Again, I'm asking for your blessings, your anointing. I pray, God, that you would touch every heart and every ear as they hear the words of the prophecy in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I remember as a young Christian at the church that I was saved at in Chico, not long after my salvation, a brother named Bill Popejoy came and shared with us prophecy like I'm doing here. He stretched it out over a whole week and I was fascinated with the whole thing. And when he came to the part about people being caught up in the air, rapture, I was amazed. I had never heard it before. And then I began to think, is is death the end of my existence? If not, what, what can I expect after death? Other questions came flooding into my mind. Will this earth's evil ever be judged by God and punished? God is supposedly a just and fair And righteous God, is he not? And will I ever be rewarded and acknowledged by God for the good things that I, that I've done? Will I ever be able to see godly family and loved ones that have passed on before me? My mom passed away in 2014, four years ago. And we had some great fellowship just a few years before she passed. Is it really worth it to try to live for Christ, to live righteously in such a crazy world? Does the Bible address these issues? It surely does. And a whole lot more regarding the evil direction this world is taking and what will happen to Christians in the midst of this evil world. Last week, we talked about the end-time opposing kingdoms. You have that those notes in your bulletin that I provided for you. This week, we're looking at the next in the series. It's called The Next Event on the Church Calendar. The common term that we use is rapture. Caught up. The great taking away. In the Greek, let me try to pronounce it here. It's an interesting word, all one word in the Greek. Caught up. Arpege sometha, arpege sometha, which literally means seized or snatched away, like a magician. Those magicians are pretty clever, don't you think? Some of, some of the ones that I've seen uh, uh, over the years are, are amazing. Um, uh, America's Got Talent. 
uh, normally has uh, at least once a week a magician that can dazzle you. And they're real good at snatching away reality when you think you, you understand something. That's what the rapture is all about, is this seizing suddenly of Christians around this world. The major scripture that handles this, we're going to go through right now. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to kind of go through it a little bit. <clears throat> Starting at verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Brothers, Paul is writing to Christians, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. There's a lot in here. Let's break it apart. Paul is writing basically to say, I'm writing this to strengthen your faith and to give you hope. The word here, sleep, falling asleep in other translations, means death. Death is a temporary sleep. It's not a permanent sleep for the human soul. Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says, Multitudes will, who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Think about that. Verse 14, Paul goes on to write that Jesus died and rose again. Therefore, since Jesus did that, he died and rose again, that the entire human race will awaken from their death one day. From the sleep of death. And those who are followers of Jesus with all their heart, we're not talking about half-Christians, There's no such thing as a half-Christian. Either you're all in or you're all out. I shared that scripture with you last week. Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does does not gather with me scatters abroad. Those who are followers of Jesus will be taken up into paradise, which is a temporary heaven until the new heavens and the new earth that are on your chart right at the very end on the right. Christ himself will come down and do that. Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 says in that same verse that I just read, some will go to everlasting life, never to die again, never to be separated from Christ again. That's great. I'm looking forward to that. Verse 15, Paul goes on, according to the Lord's word. Well, what did God, what did Christ say here? Well, he said many things about death, and especially this event. One of them is John chapter 11, verse 25. 
Jesus said at the funeral, at the, at the raising, right before he raised Lazarus, his friend, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet will he live again. And then John chapter 14, verses uh, 1, 2, and 3. I've got it right here. <clears throat> Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Listen carefully. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So Jesus is coming from heaven to take Christians to be with them. There will be a generation of believers in Christ who will not experience physical death. Now, how do we know that's happened before? Well, go back to Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Before the flood, there were a number of people on the earth. One of them was a man named Enoch. Listen to the verses. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Can you imagine fathering a child at 65? Wow. And after he became the father of Methuselah, most people recognize Methuselah. Wasn't Methuselah the oldest dude in the Bible? Yeah. Anybody know how long he lived, by the way? 969 years. Can you imagine living 969 years? The first 100 years, I think I'll study the theory of relativity. The next 100 years, I think I'll become a concert pianist. The next 100 years, I think I'll invent... You know. Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. He must have collected a ton of Social Security. And this is the verse. Enoch walked with God and he was no more because God took him away. And then we have another one from Elijah, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. Elijah was the only other person in Scripture besides Enoch that was taken up into heaven without dying a physical death. He was walking with his protege, Elisha, before he you know, gave him the mantle of leadership and said, I'm leaving Elijah. You're going to take, the, you're going to take over for me. And verse 11 says in chapter 2, as they, Elijah and Elisha, were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Far out, dude. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind, never to die. Verse 16, Paul continues writing to to the Thessalonians. He says, this is what's going to happen. On that day of the rapture. Listen carefully. These are the actual events. Christ will leave heaven because there will be a loud voice, a command from Michael the archangel. Well, what's an archangel? He's a welder. He makes, you know, no. Jude chapter, Jude verse 9, but even the archangel Michael and Daniel chapter 12 verse 1, at that time Michael the great prince who protects your people, Michael is a major player, major angel assigned to the nation of Israel. And Michael the archangel will shout, a loud shout, 
Christ will return out of heaven and then there will be a trumpet call. When there ever in the Old Testament was a trumpet call, it signals something very significant happening. Will everybody hear it? No. Just us. And the dead in Christ will rise out of their graves. They will be caught up in the air. And I want you to picture this. Out of every cemetery, every grave in the world, those who are in Jesus, who've died as followers of Jesus, will come right out of the grave. And while they're doing that, listen carefully, the believers will do that as well. But let me go back for a second here. Now, did this happen before? Did people come out of the grave before? Well, in Matthew chapter 27, verses uh, 51, let me make sure I get it here. Matthew chapter 27, Matthew 27. All right, verses 51 and 52. It says, at that moment, at the death of Jesus, when he breathed his last, the curtain temple was torn in two, the earth shook, the rock split, and the tombs broke open in Jerusalem. And the bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. Can you believe that? When Jesus breathed his last, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit in the temple the veil that separated the holy presence of God from people was split in two so that we could have direct access into God. The earth shook, just like it does here in California. Rocks split and the tombs opened up and the dead who are in Christ walked around Jerusalem. That'd be, that'd be freaking me out. John chapter 11, verses 43 and 44. Jesus did the same thing with Lazarus. Lazarus believed in Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I've heard a message one time saying, well, how come Jesus had to say the word Lazarus? Well, if he didn't, everybody would come out of the tomb. So he pinpointed Lazarus. Lazarus, you, just you, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped in strips of linen. And then verse 17, Paul goes on to write that while the dead rise out of the graves, we who are alive and are left will be caught up, seized instantly with those in the air. We will meet them in the air and we will be joined to the Lord in our Temporary spirit bodies. We will always be with the Lord forevermore. Verse 18, encourage one another. Shout, it's, it's going to happen. This world is not our home. This is not a doomsday kind of a thing. We're here, we're to work hard and to keep our nose clean and, and go, go forth and to do things that are good and right. But one day, we will be called out of here. If you're following Jesus, you'll be called out of this earth. It's like, it's like this. You'll take a step and then the next step you'll be gone. Just like the people on that plane and on that freeway. 
Christians will be reunited with believing family and friends. We'll recognize them. They'll recognize us. We will be fully alive. Now, how do we know that there's resurrection is true? Well, there was a number of situations in the Bible that in the Old Testament and the New that talked about resurrection. I mentioned a couple of them. First Kings chapter 17, Elijah the prophet raised a son who had died uh, from uh, this lady uh, living in Zarephath. Second Kings chapter 4, his protege Elisha raised a son who had died from a lady who was a Shunammite from that area. And this this is a real kicker. Listen to this. Second Kings chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Israel was being besieged by the Moabites. They were coming in as raiders. And uh, when they would come in, the Israelites would scatter. And one day, starting <clears throat> in verse 20, said, Elijah died and was buried. This is the prophet. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites, listen, were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, Oakland raiders, no, and they threw the man's body into Elijah's tomb. They were in the process of putting the Elisha's body in the grave, and they saw these raiders coming, and they, uh, you know, uh, uh, they, they were uh, burying they were going to bury this guy in another tomb nearby. And they saw the raiders coming and they chucked the body into Elisha's tomb. And the Bible says, when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Jesus raised the synagogue leader, Hyrus' daughter. Matthew chapter 9, verse 25. And Luke chapter 7, there was a funeral going on in a little town called Nain, N-A-I-N, a widow whose husband had died, of course, and had no one else except her son. Her son died of a sickness. Jesus came up when he went into the town. He saw her weeping, and he said, Don't cry. And he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man, the young boy, sat up and began to talk. And he gave him back to his mother. Then we read about, we just heard about John. In John chapter 11, Lazarus, the saints in Matthew chapter 27. And then there's a lady named Dorcas, also called Tabitha, who had died in the book of Acts chapter 9. And Peter went with him, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Peter sent them all out of the room. He got down on his knees and prayed, turning around the dead woman, Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to his feet. So, plenty of examples of resurrection. Now, <clears throat> when will this happen? When will this event happen? Nobody knows. As I mentioned before, as I read earlier, Matthew chapter 24, it says in verse 36, no one knows about that day or hour. It will be, however, sometime between the first and the second advent of Christ. The first advent of Christ we celebrate all the time. Which is what? Ding, diddy, ding, ding, diddy, ding, ding, diddy, ding. Christmas time. That's the first advent, the first coming. When Jesus was born, he lived, 
He died and was resurrected and then ascended into heaven. And now we're in the church age. Christ has left. He sent the Holy Spirit to indwell all of us and give us the power and the, and the, and the encouragement to share our faith with others, which is what we're supposed to do. It's not just my job to do that. I'm here to equip you to do that to your neighbors. It's your job to get out there and to really make a difference to the people around you by your life, your actions, your words. The church is the main instrument that God uses to advance his kingdom. And then the rapture, then the tribulation period, and then the second advent, the second coming. Christ is going to come again a second time. The rapture, only we The saints, the believers, will see Jesus. Only we will hear the trumpet sound and the loud voice. And the second coming, everybody's going to see it. Every eye will see him. In the rapture, nobody knows. It just happens like we saw on the plane there. It Boom, people are gone. Where will this happen? All over the earth, in every continent, every corner, every cemetery. Listen to me. I'm a military buff. I was in the military myself. I I love watching war films, things like, um, you know, Band of Brothers. Maybe some of you saw that. It was a tremendous um, uh, look-see at the 101st Airborne Division, of which I was a part of when I was in the Army. These guys went through all kinds of stuff in the Second World War, including the Battle of the Bulge. And one of the scenes in the in the Band of Brothers, they were getting bombarded by German artillery. And so these guys were scrambling for their foxholes. And one guy was out caught out in the middle trying to get to a foxhole. And there were a couple of guys that were that were saying, come on, you can do it, you can make it, you can make it. And they were about maybe from me to Anthony. And a shell landed right in their foxhole. And these guys were completely obliterated, blown to bits. There was nothing left. People have been eaten by animals or cannibals. People have been burned to ashes, nothing left. God is going to take all of these pieces and put them back together to form the body that once was. All over the world. Cemeteries will open. People will be raised to life. Think about it. How will it happen? Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die, and then the judgment. Everybody is destined to die once, except for the generation that's going to be raptured. Everybody will be resurrected from the dead. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says, Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. It will happen suddenly. I want you to look at me for a second, everybody. I want you to blink. Most people don't really, you know, they don't think about blinking. Every once in a while I think, I'm blinking now. But we just do it naturally, right? 
when you blink, you don't really lose any sight. It happens quickly, doesn't it? You blink. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, verses 51 and 52. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery, Paul writes to the church of Corinth. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. It will happen suddenly. This earthly, corruptible, perishable body will be transformed into a heavenly, incorruptible, imperishable body. The only exception, of course, is these bodies will be temporary, uh, as I said before, temporarily spirit bodies until we get our brand new uh, eternal body that will be at the beginning of the eternity, when the new heavens and the new earth is, is, uh, is, is put on earth. The only exception, of course, is uh, Jesus. Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, it says that uh, the lamb that was slain. We will recognize Christ in heaven because he will still have the marks of his crucifixion. Why will it happen? Why is this going to happen? First of all, because we are not appointed to wrath. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. We're not going to go through the tribulation that's coming. The judgment on this world. We're, we're going to escape the coming judgment and the wrath of the Lord. I'm, I'm pleased with that, aren't you? I don't, I don't want to go through what's going to be happening on this earth. I'm going to be caught up together with you guys and with all who have died before me into the air. We're going to miss the big scene that's down, that's going to play out in front of us. You think this world is evil and bad? This, this world is a Sunday school picnic compared to what's going to happen. Revelation 3.10 says, Since you have kept my commands, Jesus is writing, to the church, Laodicea, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. And then, the second thing, why it will happen, is to receive rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to, when we get caught up in the air, we're not going to be hanging around playing pinochle, cribbage, whatever game you want to play, bridge. Some of you used to play bridge. I don't know beans about it anymore. Forget it all. We're going to be given rewards. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. First Corinthians chapter 3. This is what it's going to look like. Once we're caught up in the rapture to be with the Lord, we're going to stand before him in the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to be given rewards for what we did for Jesus. What we did to serve other people without any impure motives. Listen to First Corinthians chapter 3. Starting with verse number 11. For no one can lay any foundation. We're building our spiritual house. We start off with a foundation. Other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we start with Christ at salvation. And then we begin to build our spiritual life on the foundation of Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, the judgment, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. 
If you build your house with gold and silver and precious stones, these are materials that will last through the fire, the judgment of Christ, when you come before him and give an account of your life. The other things that you do that are impure motives or selfish or whatever. I even had, I'm going to, I even had somebody tell me that, they, that, you know, people don't go over and say hi to this person while we're greeting. Well, you know, you got to get up and greet other people. You, you got to take the initiative and be a friend as well. It's not just you. The world doesn't revolve around you. It's everybody greeting everyone else. Okay, back to what we're saying. And so, if you build on impure motives and selfishness and ungodly things, as you pass through the fire of judgment, it will be burned up, gone. And the only thing you have left into eternity is what you did for Jesus. Lastly, what does this mean for me? Two things, quickly. I should be looking for the Lord. You should be looking for the Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await our Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you eagerly waiting for him? Are you eagerly expecting him? Most of you go, ah, man, I got too much to do right now. I don't know, maybe at this stage of my life, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Before, when I wasn't married, and I heard this message and I was just saved, I'm going, well, I want to get married first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. And then I should be living for the Lord. I should be living for the Lord. Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We should be looking for Christ and we should be living for Christ. The rapture, the great catching up, the seizing away quickly, suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye. When will that happen? I don't know. We, we may not make it out of the doors today. There's no warning signs for the rapture. It's going to happen. It's going to happen at an hour we do not know. All I can say is, I'm ready. I hope you are too. Bow your heads with me, please. Are you ready? You have to ask yourself, are you really ready? Maybe a question that I should ask this morning is, if you were to die today, heaven forbid, and you were to stand before God and he were to say, uh, Barry, why should I let you into heaven? Well, I go to church every Sunday because I have to. I'm the pastor. And I tithe and, and I just do good things. Ah, wrong answer. The only ticket into heaven is asking Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Savior. Are you ready? If you haven't done that yet, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I really have been playing around church. I really haven't made that commitment. If that's you, raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. I, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I want to be ready when he comes back and he calls my name. 
Are you ready to to stand before him and give an account of your life? Some of you have some things that you need to work on. I need to work on. I don't want to be caught doing something that I am ashamed of when he comes back and snatches me to himself. And are you ready to rededicate yourself to him? This is serious stuff. It's not a game. It's not a myth. This is, it's not some Star Wars fantasy. This is scripture. It's true. The eternal truth from God's word. We will be caught up in the air with Christ if we believe him and if we love him. He may come today. He may not come for another 30 or 40 years at which most of us will be gone. But we will be caught up to Christ out of the grave. That's good news. Father, I pray your blessings on each of my brothers and sisters today. Lord, this is a word that's supposed to encourage us, as Paul wrote in verse 18. So encourage one another with these words. Be encouraged today, brothers and sisters. Lord, put your spirit in us and encourage us with these words. There will be an end to the madness and the sorrow and the despair and the discouragement. There will be an end. Lift up my brothers and sisters now, Father, I pray. Help us, Lord, to make that decision to follow you with all of our hearts, each and every day, not just a one-time thing. We give you praise and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, and everyone say, let's give him praise today for his word. Thank you for your word today, Lord. We praise you for your word today, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, happy anniversary to my good friends in the booth. And uh, happy birthday to uh, Mia Farias. And there are others whose birthdays are coming up soon. So blessings on you guys. Have a great day.